Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. For your holy written word, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. As an act of my will, I set myself to receive from your word, to be quickened by your word, and changed by your spirit from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never be the same ever again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. I'd like to invite you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Second Thessalonians in chapter 1. And I want to talk to you tonight about don't be destroyed by what you don't know. Don't be destroyed by what you don't know. What do you mean by that? Well, we'll see in a minute. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 11 in a moment. But first of all, let me explain. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciple indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The prophet Hosea said by the Spirit of God in chapter 4 and verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now notice these two things. Jesus said it's the knowledge of the truth that liberates or makes people free. The Father said by the Holy Ghost through Hosea that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If the truth and the knowledge of the truth makes us free, and if God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, then listen, don't be destroyed by what you don't know. Do something about it to get a hold of the knowledge that will prevent you from being destroyed. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. Freedom from death, freedom from disease, freedom from destruction, freedom from fear, freedom from failure freedom from financial bondage or whatever it is you need freedom from or I need freedom from comes through the knowledge of the truth. If I don't know the truth, then I'm in a place of disadvantage. I'm in a place where what I don't know can destroy me. I can be destroyed because of what I don't know. So the remedy to that is what? I have got to obtain the knowledge of the truth that I need so that I can be made free and kept free. 
Now, how many of you have ever used household cleaners in your house? I would venture to say that we've all done that. How many of you take the time to read the label before you use the product? Anybody here take the time to do that? Be honest tonight. Raise your hand if you do. I should say raise your hand if you don't. Well, why do you think they put those labels on those products? What are they on there for? To inform the public. To give us knowledge as to how they should be used how not to use them, and what to do if it's misused. And that's why when you turn it over and look at the back, it'll say directions. And it gives you directions for use. And then it'll say warning. And it tells you something like this. Do not inhale or absorb through the skin. Why? Well, because it can aggravate respiratory disorders or skin disorders. It might say something like this. If you make contact with the eyes, wash your eyes out with water for 15 minutes. If you swallow it, then you're to dilute it with water. And by the way, do not induce vomiting. You can read those labels and find those statements on the back of the product so that we, the public, are informed and they are protected because they have told us what to do. If we don't take the time to read, then our lack of knowledge or our lack of understanding how to, of how to use the product properly can be to our own detriment and destruction. Now, we've seen that happen. We've heard of people doing things like using the product and then all of a sudden they have a respiratory problem and they don't know why they got it or where they got it from. And they backtrack and think back in their lives about some things that they did and they discover what? They were using a product and the product said on the label, do not inhale. Now, I don't know about you and what you use, but we found a product that used, works really, really, really well in, in the bathtub called the works powerful stuff powerful stuff but every time I use it I've got to turn my face the other way it's potent really strong you don't want to breathe in that stuff it can create problems now if you do it you might be out there on your own finding yourself in a whole heap of trouble and the reason why is because maybe you didn't read the label to find out you shouldn't be doing that. How many of you know you shouldn't use highly flammable things that you have around a furnace? And you shouldn't store cans that are easily combustible around a, an open flame. And see, all those things are written, all those things are listed. Why? To give us the information and the knowledge that we need so that we don't get ourselves into trouble. Also, if a young child, let's say, gets a hold of a product, it'll say that on the label also, as with all household cleaners or products, keep out of the reach of children. Why? Because children will pick that thing up and just drink it. 
thinking that it's okay for consumption, and it's not. They don't know any better. Now, all these things are written to inform us as to how to use it, how not to use it, and what to do in case of an emergency. And they feel as though we need to have that knowledge. Well, beloved, when it comes to the things of God, the same thing is true. We need to have the knowledge of the truth. Because if we don't, it'll be to our own detriment and our own destruction. If we don't have understanding of the things of God and how the things of God operate, it'll be to our own destruction. God said Himself that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. I want us all to be encouraged and inspired to get as much knowledge as we possibly can with regard to all the different subjects of the Bible. And in particular, tonight we're talking about the subject of divine healing and health because it's healing Sunday night. And so I want to read this verse to you so that you and I can get an understanding of how to cooperate with God for our healing. In verse 11 of 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, it says, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Notice the work of faith with power power. The work of God in the lives of people is the work of faith with power. It's not faith alone and it's not power alone. It is the work of faith with power. We could say it's the combined efforts of faith with power. We could say it like this, faith and power combined together to create a team that works well to do what? Fulfill in us a purpose in the will of God. Faith and power are essential, beloved, and the knowledge of how faith works and how the power of God operates is essential also if we want to reap the benefits of the provisions of the gospel. We need to understand faith and its operation and we must understand power and its operation so the two can combine or come together to do what? To work together as a team to enable us to experience the promises of God in our lives. Now, for example, if you go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, and you read verses 25 through 34, you'll read the story of the woman with the issue of blood who suffered many things of many physicians, who was nothing better but rather grew worse. But then she heard of Jesus and she came in the press behind and she touched his garment for she said, If I ever touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And Jesus, after she had touched him, knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, said, after he turned himself about in the crowd, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, You see the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And she that had done this thing fell down and told him all the truth. And afterwards, Jesus looked at her and said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Notice, power went out from Jesus and it went into the woman and the woman was healed of the plague. But listen, Jesus told her faith, her faith hath made her whole. So we see these two forces, the force of God's power, God's healing power, and the force of faith came together, combining themselves to create a team that worked for her good 
and enabled her to experience the healing that she was longing for in her life. Can you see that? It wasn't faith alone and it wasn't power alone. It was faith and power working together as a team. Now that's one incident and there are many, many more. But you go to Luke's Gospel chapter 5 and verse 17 and it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So there we have the power of the Lord present to heal all those that were there. Then it talks about a man who was born of four who was let down from the ceiling into the presence of the Lord because of the multitude thronging him. He could not get in. And so they went up on the rooftop, cut a hole up in the, in the roof and dropped the man down, let him down through to get to Jesus. And of course, Jesus seeing their faith proceeded to unleash the power of God in the man's life and the man was healed. You know the story. But what I want to point out is this. The work that took place in that man to get him to be able to walk was the work of faith with power. This team works together not just to get people healed, it works together to get whatever it is that we need from God and enable us to experience all that God has for us in life. And that's why we have got to understand the principles of faith and also have an understanding of the operation of the power of God so that we can cooperate with God's power through faith and experience the blessings that God has for us. So this man was healed also by the work of faith and power. He was delivered and, and set free. And he did something he hadn't done for a long time, and that was walk. And there was a cause for much rejoicing in his life. And if we just focus on the fact that the man was healed and forget about how he got healed, then we just abandon ourselves to a type of faith that just says, well, God does it, and we're just waiting for him to do it on his own. But, beloved, that's not how it works. We must understand the power of God and its operation. And through this knowledge, I believe we will not be destroyed by what we don't know. First thing about the power of God that we all need to understand, and if you're taking notes, you write it down. Number one, the power of God today is always present. The power of God is in this place right here and right now. The power of God to save the lost, the power of God to heal the sick, the power of God to deliver the captives, the power of God to restore a life, to, to bind up a broken heart, the power of God to set the captives free from financial bondage or difficulty, the power of God to deliver one from fear, or emotional hurt, whatever it is that a person needs from God today, the power of God is present. Would you say that with me? God's power, God's power is, present is present here tonight. Here tonight. See, and the reason why we know that is because Jesus is still walking upon the earth today in what we call the body of Christ on the earth. You see, where the presence of the Lord is, the power of God is. And when Jesus was walking upon this earth, the power of God was manifest through Him. Well, we are the body of Christ, and as long as we are in the earth, that means a part of the body of Christ is in the earth. 
And that means where the presence of the Lord is, the power is also. And didn't Jesus say, if two gather in my name or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst of them? So, beloved, the power of God is here tonight. I want you to say that again. The power of God is present right now. Now, beloved, this is not enough to guarantee that we are going to get healed. This is not enough to guarantee that we are going to be delivered. Just to know that His power is present and to know that it is here right now is not enough to set the captives free. It doesn't just automatically fall upon people just like it didn't back then. The power of God was present to heal all those people, but only one person got healed. Multitudes were thronging Him when the woman with the issue of blood touched Him, and she was the one that got healed. The man born of four was the one that God healed. Why? Because it wasn't just the power alone in operation. It was faith unleashing the power of God and receiving the healing power of God that made these people get set free. So the power of God is present here in this place right now. But secondly, people need to be aware of that power. Consciously aware of that power. See, sometimes we may say, well, I know the power of God in this place, but are we really aware of the power of God that is available to us, to those who believe? The power of God was present back then, but that woman wasn't aware of it. Once she was made aware of it, she did something to get her faith to touch the power of God and experience the healing in her body. The man was not aware of the power of God until finally somebody probably shared with him what Jesus was doing. When he was made aware of the power of God that was present, then he was taken to Jesus, probably encouraging those others to take him to Jesus, maybe even coercing them to take him to Jesus. We don't know the whole story, but we know this. The man was determined. The man was not going to be denied. He was not discouraged by the crowd. He was not discouraged because he had to get on top of the roof. Now, people that have to be carried, I don't think like going on top of roofs just to get into a building. Do you? Absolutely not. But this man was not concerned about any obstacle whatsoever. He was going to touch the power of God, and nothing was going to prevent him. Once he was made aware of the fact that the power of God was available, he took off after it and was determined to get a hold of it. Can you see that? And if there was something standing in the way, he ripped the roof off. Or he had those that were with him to rip the roof off to get him down there. Beloved, we should be so bold today. We should be so tenacious today. Shouldn't we? I'm going to tell you something right now. Everybody in this place, it doesn't matter what the problem is. I want you to know something. God's power is present. And now you're made aware of it. And now that you're aware of the fact that His power is present in this place right now, whatever it is you need delivered from, healed of, or whatever, that power is available to you right here and right now. And you are aware of it. And what we all need to do is make a determination on our mind right now. Nothing is going to prevent my cooperating with it to get my healing or my deliverance, or my victory. 
Amen? That's what we need to do. Secondly, and thirdly rather, we must cooperate with the power of God by receiving it in order for it to work. We must cooperate with the power of God. We know it's present. We are aware of it. And now we must cooperate with the power of God. If we don't cooperate with the power of God, although God wants to do great and mighty things for us, He is limited as to what He can do. You remember the fellow who was the leper who came to Jesus when he came down from the mountain and said, I know you can heal me, but I don't know if you will. That man had a lack of knowledge in his life. And if he never would have obtained the knowledge of the will of God, that man would never have been healed. He said, Lord, if thou can't will, thou canst make me clean. In other words, I know you will. I have partial knowledge in the matter. But I don't, I mean, I know you can. I know you have ability. But I do not know your willingness. I don't know if you will. He had to have that question answered before he could receive from God. And so Jesus stretched forth his hand and said, I will. Those two words imparted to the man the knowledge that he needed to obtain his healing. So the moment Jesus said, I will, something happened inside the man. That knowledge enabled him to unleash God's power in his life and receive it. So the power of God must be cooperated with and we must receive the power of God into our lives in order for it to accomplish the purpose that God wills for our lives. So now, number one, I know the power of God is present. I've been, number two, made aware of it, more aware of it right now than when I first came into this place, and even maybe more aware of it right now than when we were worshiping. The power of God has not diminished because you sat down. Can you see that? It's not based on a feeling, it's based on a fact. Have you gathered tonight in the name of Jesus? Then the power of God is here. It's not based on how I feel or whether or not I have goosebumps. The power of God is here. I am aware of God's healing, God's delivering, God's saving, God's filling power. It's here right now. I'm aware of that. I must cooperate with that power. That is my responsibility. If I don't cooperate with it, although it's here, it's not going to accomplish that which the Father wills. So how do I do that? How do I cooperate with the power of God? I have got to receive it. Number four, I have got to receive the power of God. And do you know what receive means? Allow it to enter in. That's what it means. To allow something in. I must allow the power of God into my life. The question is this. Will you allow the power of God in? Let me help you with this to show you how you can better understand it. We know the power of God is present to save us, to save whosoever. And if you were preaching somewhere or sharing at work somewhere with someone about the power of God to save, you would eventually in your conversation get to the part where you say, do you want to invite Jesus in? 
to become your Savior and Lord, wouldn't you do that? And do you realize whether or not the power to save that human being enters into his heart is determined by his decision? How many of you are aware of that? If he says no, although the power of God is surrounding him, although the power of God is flowing from the individual who's ministering life to him, and it could be so powerful it could knock him off his feet, if that man does not allow the power in, does he get saved? He does not. If we don't allow the power in, we don't get healed. There's a twofold thing here, twofold work. We must receive it or allow it in, and we must keep it active until the process is consummated. Two things. I want you to look at Acts chapter 19, and I want to use the baptism in the Holy Spirit to give us greater light in this area of knowledge so that you and I can learn how not to be destroyed by what we don't know. You think about that statement there for a while, beloved. It'll do something in you. It'll make you aware of the fact that you and I need to know more. We need to know more so that we're not destroyed by what we don't know. God's people were being destroyed because of what they didn't know. Many of them didn't know they had a covenant with God. Many of them did not know that God had promised certain benefits and blessings to the covenant. Many of them didn't know that God had so much for them, and for that reason they were destroyed. They were overcome, and they were defeated in life. God wants us to know His ability. He wants us to know His willingness. He wants us to know what is ours, and He wants us to know how to cooperate with His power so that we can experience it all. So the fourth thing is this regarding the power of God. I must receive it into my life and I must keep it active until the process is consummated. In Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, we have an illustration here that will help us. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Everybody say, Received. To receive means to allow to enter in. Have you allowed the Holy Ghost to enter in since you believed? We could say it like that. It would be the same thing. Have you allowed, have you allowed the Holy Ghost to enter in since you've become a believer? And they says, we've never heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And then the story goes on that they finally were saved and then he laid his hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So they allowed the Holy Ghost to enter in, and they were filled, and they spoke with other tongues. So is the Holy Ghost in them? Is He? Okay. Does He not represent all the power of God? Is He not the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead? Is He in you tonight? Okay. Now turn with me to Second, or I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you would please. Because I want to share with you a truth or some golden nugget about the power of God in our lives, including the healing power of God in our lives, once it has been received or allowed entrance into our lives to heal our bodies. And that truth is this. Once we have received the power of God to heal us, 
It is our responsibility to keep that power active so that the process is consummated. It is possible to have the power of God to heal us, minister to us, receive it in our bodies. It's there, but it's dormant, inactive, inoperative, accomplishing nothing. Think about that just for a moment. And let's read this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, I believe it is. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. What gift is he referring to? An impartation of the Spirit of God was not to be neglected. To neglect something means to ignore it, pay no attention to it, and just have it in you without any activity. We're told not to neglect the Holy Spirit or the impartations of the Spirit. If you have been gifted in an area by God, there's been an impartation of the Spirit of God in your life. Let's say a gift, whatever, a preaching, a teaching gift or whatever, laying on of hands gift, whatever it is. You can have that gift, but do you realize you can be inactive, inoperative when it comes to the use of that gift in, in and through your life? It's there, and the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. But do you realize if you don't do something about it, it'll be there, but it will be in a dormant state? I'll show you another verse. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, or verse 6 rather. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou, everybody say stir up. Say it again, stir up. To stir up means to arouse to activity or to arouse from dormancy. To arouse to activity or to arouse from dormancy. And what it means is this. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Through the process of the laying on of hands, Timothy had impartations of the Spirit of God in his life. Gifts the Holy Spirit Himself on the inside. But beloved, unless He stirred up the gift, and really we should receive from what we're reading here that Timothy was being careless with the gift, that Timothy was neglecting the gift, that he might have been drawing from physical strength and intellectual strength, but he was not drawing from the gift of God. And that's why Paul said, Timothy, neglect not the gift. Don't be careless with the gift of God. Don't ignore the gift of God in you. Timothy, stir up, arouse to activity, arouse from dormancy the impartation, the gift of God in you that was transferred into you by the laying on of my hands or the hands of the presbytery. What is that telling us? You can have it, but it's inactive. You can have it, but it's inoperative. You know, you can come to this altar, have hands laid on you for healing, and the power of God will be transferred into you or transmitted into you for healing, and it will take up residency on the inside of you. Okay? You know what you just did? You received it. You allowed it to what? Enter in. 
But that's not the end of it. See, my people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. Don't be destroyed by what you don't know. And a lot of times people fail to know this. That power is in you now. It can't lie dormant. It cannot lie inactive. It needs to be kept operative and active until the process of healing is consummated. In other words, until the end result comes. Well, how do we do that? Well, there are methods. There are methods for both. There are methods as far as allowing the power of God's healing virtue in. And there are methods by which we keep active the power of God until it's consummated. And the number one method we say we could use as far as allowing the power of God in, there's many of them, there's different ones, and we're not putting these in any particular order, but number one is through the laying on of hands. A way that Jesus said that His disciples or followers or believers would minister the healing power of God would be through the laying on of hands. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In Luke 4.40, the Bible says that Jesus laid His hands upon those that were sick and they were all healed. He used the laying on of hands and that allowed the power of God to enter in. He told us to use laying on of hands and through the laying on of hands, the power of God would be allowed to enter in. You can allow it in through just receiving the word yourself. And just say, Father, your word says this, and so by the confession of my faith, I receive your healing power. And when you do that, you've allowed the healing power of God in to your life. I believe I received my healing. There is another method that I want to bring out at this point, And it's called the method of anointing with oil in James 5.14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. If they've committed sins, they shall be forgiven. You know all that. But I want you to listen to this statement. When a person under the old covenant was anointed with oil, he was anointed for a purpose. There was consecration to a purpose. There was separation or they were set apart for a purpose in the will of God. Remember that? When David was anointed to be king by Samuel, it was acknowledging that he was set apart by God for a specific purpose. Isn't that true? Listen carefully. This will bless you immensely. If you are anointed with oil in the name of the Lord because you are sickly, do you realize that anointing oil represents the fact that you've been set apart for a specific purpose in the will of God? And you know what it is? Your body has been now set apart for healing. Your body has been set apart for healing. Your body has been set apart for the purpose of allowing God's healing virtue to flow through it until the process is consummated. Set apart, consecrated to this purpose in the will of God. When we lay hands on people, the same concept is there. Laying on of hands, divine impartation, the power of God, you are now set apart for a specific purpose, set apart for the healing virtue to flow through your body. That gave entrance to it. You have allowed it in. And so that's why when you come to the altar or you ask someone to pray for you or lay hands on you or anoint you with oil, that's exactly what you and I are doing. 
We are being set apart by the power of God through the anointing oil or however you want to say it so that there's time for this body of mine to be set apart for the purpose of being healed. And healing is not always an instantaneous process. But that's the first phase of it. Secondly, it is my responsibility and duty to do something to keep active the power of God that was received into my body until the process is consummated. And there are certain things that we can do or methods that we can use to keep active the power of God and probably the first and foremost one is what? Thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. This body has now been prayed for. I have acknowledged that it is set apart for the purpose of being healed. It has been, as far as God is concerned, consecrated to the purpose of healing. Set apart. Can you see that? And it's at that time we acknowledge the power is now in me. I am now consecrated. I am now set apart. And my body is off limits to sickness or disease and its further activity in my life. That's exactly what's happening. That's what you're saying. And so now that you've been prayed for and now that you have been anointed, so to speak, now that you have allowed to enter into your body the healing virtue, the power of God, now phase two is I keep it actively at work in me till the process is consummated. How? By praising God and thanking Him for the power that's at work in me now. Thank you for your healing virtue that is in my life. I received it. I have been set apart. It has entered into my body now. It's, I acknowledge that it's in there right now. Stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. See, beloved, if we want results, we've got to have the knowledge of God. And the Bible says that the gospel, which is the power of God, does not benefit us unless there's faith mixed with it. Now, you think about mixing something. You take a glass of white milk. Now, my daughter, Carly, absolutely loves chocolate milk. At first it was, I want white milk, I want white milk, I want white milk, I want white milk. Well, she got a hold of chocolate milk somewhere and decided, I like chocolate milk. And she's lying down, ready to go to bed at night, and she wants her glass of chocolate milk. And so she'll say, Daddy or Mommy, chocolate milk, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. And of course, we've got that Hershey's chocolate that you pour in the glass first, and then you pour the milk in, or vice versa, however you do it is okay. But how many know it doesn't work too well unless you get a spoon and stir it? Isn't that true? See, if you don't stir it and mix it together, then you're not going to have a good taste. And it's not going to blend like it needs to blend. By faith, we begin to mix faith with the power of the gospel that says, I have allowed the power of God to enter my body. It's in me now. And now I am mixing faith with the power of the gospel so that I can have an end result or an end product, which is the healing consummated. So here's what I do. Here's what we are to do. 
The power of God has been ministered to me. I have been set apart for healing. And now, Father, I praise you for your power that is in me. Next day, I stir up. I stir up. I stir up. I arouse to activity. I arouse from dormancy. See, if we just let it go, it'll settle down somewhere and it won't be active. Just like the Holy Ghost. If we don't stir up the gift of God by praying in the Holy Ghost, we're not going to be filled with the power of God, filled with the Spirit of God. You know that as well as I do. But if you start stirring up the gift of God on the inside of you, before you know it, you start getting into the Spirit. The Spirit begins to manifest in you. See, you're doing something. You are cooperating with the power of God, using your faith to stir up or arouse to activity or to arouse from dormancy that which has been ministered to you. The same thing is true with the Holy Ghost, who is the source of power. And the same thing is true with the healing power of God that has been ministered to you, either through your own personal faith, by the power of the name of Jesus, through the laying on of hands, or the anointing with oil, or any other way. And now, by this method of thanking God and praising God that the power of God is in me, I keep active that power. It is actively at work. And I continue doing it and continue doing it and continue doing it. Why? I don't want that power to become dormant, inactive, inoperative in my life. I want it to be actively involved in ministering life to the cells of my body that need life, to the bones of my body that need life, to the muscles of my body that need life, or whatever else it is in my body that needs life. As long as I continue praising Him and thanking Him and blessing Him, I am stirring up the power of God that is in me. I am arousing it to activity and from dormancy. I am not allowing it just to settle down in me and be inactive and inoperative and just be there with me and go along for the ride. You want to see why now it's so important that we recognize that life and death are in the power of the tongue? Because you see, beloved, faith has to cooperate with the power. And if I keep saying how sick I am, 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 what am I doing? See, I got the power, but now it's lying there dormant because I'm not mixing faith with it. I'm not keeping it active. I'm not arousing it to activity. It's there doing nothing. You know, the Holy Ghost can be very patient inside you doing nothing if you don't do something to activate His power. This is a responsibility that we have. And it's a daily process, beloved. This is under the end. The power that saved you is in you and needs to be kept active how many days of your life? For the rest of your life. Not just a few weeks, months, or years. You're in it for the, for the whole ride. And you'll endure to the end. And so every single day, you activate the power of God that is saving you. You know, the Bible says in Peter that we are kept through the power of God or by the power of God through faith. Our salvation, speaking of our salvation, we are kept by the power of God through faith. You know how important it is for us to start talking about our salvation, about our place in the body of Christ and how I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. And no, I don't do that because Christ is in me. You know how important that is? Because when you say that, you're activating the power of God that keeps you in a safe place with God. 
And it's not this lying dormant inside you. You're activating it. And that's why daily, when you pray over your child, you're activating that power of God that comes on your child daily to keep it flowing into their lives. See, we human beings, when we see things, maybe they don't happen, you know, as quickly as we want to, there's a tendency for us to just fade out, give up, faint, lose heart, and just forget about it. And you know what that's the result of? A lack of knowledge. When you have this knowledge and you know what you're doing and you're making a choice or a decision to keep active the power of God in you, do you see what you're doing now? How many of you can, can see more clearly, uh, have a better idea as to what you're doing when you daily stir up that gift of God inside you? And when you daily say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed, the power of God was received in that part of my body? That's what you're doing. Well, listen. Something will always try to stand between you and you're receiving God's power and keeping it active in your life. It could be a crowd. It could be a roof, like it was for those two. It could also be we're too busy. It could be distractions, such as I'm too occupied with life. I've got so much to do that I really don't have the time to do it today, and so I'm just going to let it go today, and I'll eventually get back to doing it. Have you ever been there? Where you really touched God and you knew that God touched you and you started out ablaze thanking Him for something in your life but then as two, three, four days went by all of a sudden that, be, that fervor began to diminish and you got to a place where you weren't doing it as faithfully as you once were. Beloved, we're playing right into the hands of the enemy who is constantly trying to distract us to get us to look at the problem and not at the answer or the solution. And then we just get busy and caught up with all the other affairs of life. And we kind of let go. But when we have the knowledge of the fact that our cooperating with the power of God keeps active whatever it is we believed Him for, the power that's going to make it a reality, then with that knowledge, beloved, we refuse to allow the distractions to keep us or prevent us from stirring up the gift of God. Because now, you see, we know what we're doing. I've received the power. I've allowed it entrance into my life. And now I cooperate with the power of God by saying my body has been set apart right now for the purpose of healing. It's been consecrated for the purpose of healing. And the healing virtue of God has been ministered to my body. And then immediately... Father, thank you for the healing virtue that's in me. I stir it up. I arouse it to activity by saying that with the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. The life of God was ministered to me. It's at work in me right now. And I thank you. See, knowing this, beloved, instructs us in the knowledge that we need to see to it that we are not destroyed by what we don't know. And a lot of people just don't know that that's why they're doing that daily until the process is consummated. And so with this understanding, I want us to stand before the Lord tonight. And I want us to take a moment just to digest what you heard. And then make a decision that if you're here tonight to receive the healing power of God, that you mean business with God 
And that when you are prayed for, you are intelligently allowing entrance into your life. The healing virtue of God, you're going to be specific as far as where it's at work in your body. And you are going to consider yourself from that time on set apart or consecrated for healing or to the healing virtue of God. And you're going to start praising Him daily, keeping active the power of God until the process is consummated. That is the, the step that we are to enter into and take so that we can experience a purpose that God has for us as far as His will is concerned, and that is being healed, being delivered, and being set free. It could be something else. You can channel it into another area, maybe ministering life to, to a child. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's emotional upheavals or whatever it is. But you see the importance of receiving the power or allowing it in, and then secondly, cooperating with it by keeping it active and alive. Not allowing it to get to a place of being dormant. This one individual understood the process whose wife had a serious attack on her body, had a brain aneurysm, blood in the brain, a stroke, paralysis, dying. There was no hope. Second opinion says no hope. She has to die. There's no other thing anybody can do, she's going to die. But the husband refused to give up, said there's no possible way. As far as I'm concerned, she'll live and not die and declare the works of God and just continue maintaining that confession of faith over her life. And there was a time when the doctors even said, this is the day she is going to die today. Even though he was tempted to along the way to give up, said, no, there's no way I'm going to give up. I believe that the power of God, that the life of God is at work in her and she's not going to die. I'm speaking the Word of God. I will continue to speak the Word of God. I'll speak to the brain. I'll speak to the cells of the brain to respond to life and just maintain that confession of faith and kept active and alive the power of God. And the testimony was a, a process where one thing at a time that was wrong with her began to respond to the life of God. It was not an instantaneous process. It wasn't an overnight process. It took weeks for it to happen. But, beloved, she did not give up. She did. He did not let go. He refused to give in to defeat. He was not going to be destroyed by what he did not know. He was going to cooperate with the power of God and did so to the amazement of all the medical staff and all the doctors that this woman was completely healed and made whole and her thinking faculties were operating better than before she had the brain aneurysm. And it was all based on the work of faith with power. Those two teaming together to accomplish a purpose in the will of God God does not want His people to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. The power of God that you have unleashed in your body, I want you to know in times past, is still there. You know, sometimes this answers the question that people have. People will say this to you. Well, I I've, I've did something to go against it, and I abort the whole thing, and now what am I going to do? No, the power of God is still there. 
you receive the healing power of God into your body. It might be lying there dormant and inactive, but stir it up. We can stir it up. Praise God. And the beauty of it is you can do it now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can do it right now. And you activate that power. And it begins to flow once again. And you target those areas of your life, whatever it is, wherever it is. And now you are consciously aware of the power. Are you consciously aware of the power of God in this place tonight? But now are you consciously aware that power of God can be right here in your hip, at work in your hip? Are you? Are you consciously aware of the fact that it could be at work in your knee? That's what I'm talking about. That's what he wants us to know. That power of God can be consciously at work in my eye. I'm aware of its presence. I'm aware that it's there. I acknowledge that it's there. I received it there. I say it's at work there. I'm keeping it active right now. I'm praising God. Father, thank you for your power. But I receive it's at work in the muscles of my eye in the name of Jesus. Well, Father, I thank you for the power that I've received into my knee. It's working in my knee right now, and I praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the power that I've received into my finger. It's at work in my bones right now. I see it. I know it's at work. I praise you for it in the name of Jesus. I see your power at work in my whatever, my muscles, my cells. I see that tumor blown out by the power of the living God that I know is at work in me right now because I received it and I'm keeping it active. I'm keeping it alive. It's at work in my mind right now and fear has no place in me. It's at work wherever. You name the place. And then receive it there intelligently and say it's there and keep it alive and active until the process is consummated. How many of you can see that tonight? Does that bring some clarity to you tonight? Hallelujah. Well, lift up our hands to heaven then and praise Him. Glory to God. Thank you, dear Father God. Blessed be Your marvelous name. Blessed be Your marvelous name. Don't let anything stand between you and receiving the power of God. Rip that roof off. Your doubt. Break through the crowd. Stand against that schedule that you have and say, No more. No more. You will not deny me the time that I need to activate the power of God in my life. You speak to your back in the name of Jesus and say, Back, I received the power of God. I gave it entrance into, into my back. You've got to line up. I shout my praise to God. You've got to line up. Bones, you've got to line up. Powers that would try to hold me in bondage. Glory to God. No more. No more, no more, no more, no more. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what? I know there's some of you out there right now, and you're just unleashing up that, you're activating that power right now. It's been in you. It's maybe not as active as you wanted it to be, but right now, if you are out there and you're just stirring it up, start praising Him with a loud voice. If you're stirring it up, praise Him with a loud voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
praise Him with a loud voice. It said, work in me. It said, work in me. It said, work in me. I know it. I declare it. I proclaim it. And then use that whatever, that arm, that leg, that knee, that hip, whatever it is. Use it, praise God. Keep back in the power of God. Keep back in the power of God. Keep back in the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Apply the pressure of God's Word. And while we're worshiping God, saints, anybody else, come on up here. If you need prayer tonight, to have the power enter into your life. That'll be the first phase of it. The power is here. It's present right now. You're aware of it. And you are going to give an entrance into your bones, into your muscles, into your cells, into your blood, into your heart, into your lungs. You are going to give an entrance right here and right now. And after you do, you're going to stir it up. Stir it up. Keep it active. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.